welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to episode 36. Today, I'm joined by a lovely guest, Emily Jean. She's an IVF and mindset coach who helps women going through IVF. She's available on Instagram at IVF This Coaching. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Emily, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Ola. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yay. So we always start off uh, by saying, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, so I have gone through primary and secondary infertility for um, about eight years. Right. Um, outside of my fertility journey, um, I spent 15 years in medical social work and case management. Okay. And I had started going down the route of counseling. Um, and then I realized that wasn't really where my kind of zone of genius was. And so I went into coaching and because of my experience and my love for women and my desire for us to kind of change the conversation around infertility, mm-hmm. um, I decided that IVF was really the only area that I wanted to coach on. All right. That's wonderful. And we do need coaches definitely in IVF. It's such a stressful and emotionally draining process so yes very much so (laughs) and you mentioned primary and secondary infertility if there's anyone out there listening not sure what that is could you please tell us yes um so infertility is the inability to obtain pregnancy that's the kind of medical terminology so primary infertility is an inability to obtain pregnancy uh ever So if you've never been able to get pregnant and you've been actively trying for um, specified periods of time, that is Mm -hmm. primary infertility. Secondary infertility is the inability to obtain pregnancy following um, an initial pregnancy. Um, So pregnancies can even, um, uh, even a lot of people dispute that. Even if you have obtained pregnancy and have had a miscarriage, that is still considered that. So there is a lot of, it's a kind of a fluid term. Um, I yeah. use it for, you know, I had, I've had two children, but have gone through infertility both times. Right. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And so please tell us a little bit about your infertility journey. I know you've already said mm-hmm. you did uh, deal with primary and secondary infertility, but if you wanted to just share a little bit more about your journey. Yeah. So it started in the spring of 2012. Um, My husband and I had been married for about a year and, you know, we had that conversation. Let's, we're so excited to start. And like so many of us, my assumption was that I would be off the pill for a couple of months and it would be no problem. Exactly. (laughs) Because (laughs) we're never taught that there could be problems. We're always taught how to prevent pregnancy. Yes, right. <laughs> um, and so uh, I had, uh, we'd spent about a year trying mm-hmm. and I went to my OBGYN for our annual visit and I very strongly advocated for myself. I think there is a little bit of 
hesitance on the part of OBGYNs to really push for fertility treatments for women who are around the one year mark. Mm -hmm. um, but I was pretty uh, determined. I, I, I <laughs> said, no, there's something wrong. I need a referral. So we started that process. Um, through that, we kind of identified that my husband has some sperm quality and motility issues. So mm -hmm. um, I kind of joke that his guys are just kind of standing around looking at each other. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. They're just hanging out. Um, and then we also identified that I had a very large cyst on my left ovary. It was about 10 centimeters. So about oh. the size of a grapefruit. Wow. Um, at kind of the same time I experienced what's called an ovarian torsion. So the weight of the cyst caused the ovary to kind of fall over on the fallopian tube. Wow. Very painful. I would a hundred percent not recommend that. Yeah. Um, I had to have an emergency surgery to correct it. And at that time they, um, kind of drained the cyst and every, we thought everything was okay. And, um, we moved to a different clinic and the first ultrasound I had at the new clinic, this was about two months later, mm -hmm. the cyst had, was back and it was now 12 centimeters. Oh no. Huh. And so, yeah, um, <laughs> the, uh, the lab work came back from the first surgery that I actually had what's called a mucinous cyst adenoma. So it's like a, it looks like a regular cyst on the surface but it's actually um, kind of a tumor that instead of having clear free flowing fluid in it, like a cyst does, it actually mm -hmm. has like this gunky yucky stuff that we don't need to get into. Um, but it was determined that my left ovary had to go. Wow. So I had um, my left ovary and my left tube removed and we were still dealing with my, the male factor infertility. Yeah. Um, but against all odds within the next two cycles, we actually became spontaneously pregnant with our oldest son. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. He is our less than 1% chance of getting pregnant spontaneously. And he is, um, he's just a miracle in every sense. Wow. So then cut to a year later, we knew it was gonna take some time. So we started early. A year after that, we were kind of in the same boat. And so we did four cycles of IUI that were, that did not work. And then we went into IVF. Um, and so we did a full cycle of IVF and uh, we ended up with two genetically normal embryos. And that first, uh, that first transfer was a success with our now three-year-old son. Um, and uh, then we just had our second transfer in September that was a failed transfer. So we did not get pregnant. Oh, I'm sorry about that. It sucks, <laughs> it just yeah. sucks. Hmm. Um, so that is kind of where we stand um, for our personal fertility journey. We're still kind of trying to decide if we wanna go through another cycle. You know, we had kind of this, I think a lot of us have an image of what our family looks like. Yeah in our heads. And that's one of the most painful aspects of infertility. Um, and for us personally, we had a vision of, of three little kiddos. So kind of going through the grieving process as well as what should we do next, if anything. Yeah. And sometimes people don't understand that, right? Cause then to them, some people might say, well, you have two kids, uh, 
what does it matter if you don't have like you know they don't understand the fact that you do have an idea of what you wanted and what you want so really there's nothing wrong with you seeking to get that third child like you want and that right. still is infertility so very much so and i yeah i don't think that that is discussed enough um i mean when people tell me that because people have told me that you have two beautiful boys you should be grateful yeah right that very unhelpful comment exactly um but what I think people forget is that my reproductive choices don't have any effect on you. So what does it matter to you if I want three, four, five, ten children? Yes, exactly. You're so right. <laughs> um, so I that is one of the messages that I try to um, explain because I think for women, yeah, um, how we're socialized and how we're kind of programmed in society, we feel like we have to explain ourselves. Yeah. Right. We feel like we have to explain our choices and justify our choices and make people feel comfortable with our choices. Yeah. And I just believe it's none of their damn business. It isn't. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to say that next time. Sometimes yeah. next time someone says something like, hey, love it. And now you're an IVF and mindset coach. Yes, ma'am. What does that mean? So my job, what I feel just incredibly passionate about is I want to change the conversation around infertility. Mm -hmm. There is so much in the infertility community that is very heavy yes. with IVF. There's, I will never dispute that is a painful experience. There are aspects of this journey that are excruciating, mm -hmm. but the overall experience the, over, the, the fact that IVF for so many of us takes over our entire world, I don't think that that's necessary. So my job um, and what I tell all my clients is we're gonna cry, but yeah. we're also gonna laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna have pain, but we're also gonna figure out how to move through it. A lot of us get stuck in, um, stuck in the heaviness yeah, of in the pain. yeah in the pain right yeah. and it's it's very difficult for us to move through it because we're not taught about emotions and we're not taught about processing versus resisting and and all of those things so so many of us get stuck and we can't figure out how to move past it so all we know is that we're in pain and that we're like helpless to that pain yeah. And so that's where um, the mindset coach comes in. So uh, I, um, my experience in psychology and my experience in counseling, um, I believe in what's called acceptance and commitment therapy, mm -hmm. that pain is an inevitable part of your human experience. Right. And as such, an, it's an inevitable part of the IVF experience. But how do we get to a place where we're not so overcome and at the mercy of our emotions? Yeah. That's what we work on. Wow. That sounds it's, amazing. <laughs> it's incredible work. It like I just, um, right before this, I just finished with a client and she was talking about how um, 
we waited too long. That's a very common thought for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And what kind of we went through is that what happens when she thinks that she feels very frustrated. And when she feels frustrated, she just kind of, she kind of goes, this is what our brains do when we latch onto a thought, it goes to work collecting evidence to support that belief. Yeah. Our brains are like detectives. They, they just mm-hmm. find that evidence. Yeah. And so when we get stuck in that frustration, we just create more frustration. Right. And so it's almost like you're arguing with reality with this idea of it. We've waited too long. Yeah. And so what we kind of got to is a place of we're already here. Like, We can't go back. We can't change the last seven years of your life that you've gone through this four years of infertility and then no three years of infertility and four years of IVF. We're not going to be able to change that. And we know that that thought makes you feel terrible. So what if we just accepted that right now, this is where we are. And so that's, that's just an example of some of the mindset work that we do. Wow. That's so important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. acknowledging where you are right now and what you can do moving forward right right we get to we get we can't change the we can't rewrite the past but we yeah. do get to decide what we want our future to look like beautiful i love it and what was your inspiration behind wanting to become a mindset coach i mean going from your experience and yeah um such a great question i love that so um when i had started pursuing my clinical licensure in social work, which is what you do to become, to do counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that therapy is very retrospective in nature. So it looks a lot to your past to kind of explain things and it revisits trauma, it revisits experiences. And that's not what I felt was the most um, useful. That's not how my mind works. I'm a very like, okay, what do we need to do from here on out kind of person? Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I was first introduced to life coaching, I was like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That sounds like a really fake job. Um, And then as I kind of got more experience and more exposure to it, I was like, oh, this is exactly how my mind works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the, the very start of it. And then, um, because I found life coaching around the time that I started doing IVF. Okay. And, um, and so it really helped me yeah. throughout my journey because I was totally pissed off <laughs> that yeah. everyone in the world, you know, it seemed like everyone in the world could get pregnant for free. Right. I know, right? Just hang out, have a nice bottle of wine and hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, that was a big thought for me that I had to work on. Um, and it got to a place where I could accept like that is their journey. Like sometimes mm-hmm. this is unfair. Yeah. And it does, but it doesn't mean that I have to suffer with that thought because it's a very painful thought. Mm-hmm. Other people can get pregnant and it's not fair. That's a very painful thought for all of us. Yeah. Um, and so I just, yeah, that through the work and through my exposure with life coaching, I realized, okay, I don't have to hold on to it. It's totally yeah. fine. Wow. So. I can already see some of the benefits of using an IVF coach, but, um, you know, from what you've been saying and, you know, helping people to navigate that journey and acceptance and deciding what to do going forward. And of course, like you said, not 
um, dwelling just on the pain, but also laughing about it and seeing how, what you have and what you can do to get to what you want. Um, So, but if there's someone out there listening and wondering why to use an IVF coach and what are the benefits, what will do you, can you share more about that? Yeah. Um, So infertility, a lot of people, when they start talking about the emotions of infertility and the thoughts that we have about it, a lot of people get kind of urged and pushed towards therapy. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with therapy. I have gone through therapy myself. Um, From my personal experience, when I was doing therapy in my, at the beginning of infertility, it wasn't really beneficial to me. Like I kept, I kept telling my therapist, I don't need to look 10 years ago or anything like that to figure out why I feel like crap right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just feel stuck. I just feel stuck in this cycle of pain and I want to get out of that. And so I didn't particularly find therapy that helpful. And so I think if you're one of those people, if you just feel stuck, stuck is a big word in coaching because that's kind of a red flag that that's someone who could really benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is, um, you know, you just want, you don't, you don't have any trouble functioning. So a lot of therapy is getting, so I use the analogy between coaching and therapy is like, um, a doctor, a team doctor on a sports team and the coach on the team, right? The team doctor comes in if the, if the player is injured yeah. and they can't play. So if you're at home and you can't function, you're crying uncontrollably, you've got intrusive thoughts, you have thoughts of harming yourself or someone else, coaching is not where you need to be. You need to be with a therapist. But if you're able to live your life day to day and you can do all the things that you kind of want to do, but you still experience like sadness and a lot of these feelings and, you know, you just want to feel better, then coaching is probably a more appropriate avenue for you. Wow. Thank you for explaining that because I always wonder myself as well. You know, people say therapy, coach, um, which one should I be actually accessing? So thank you for sharing that. And of course, in fertility, in IVF, there's a lot of anxiety. So I want us to spend some time talking about that and see that, you know, so much of us experience anxiety. I did. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably did. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> yes. I had anxiety as well. So what is your take on anxiety? Oh, such a great question. So anxiety as our culture experiences it, just like any uncomfortable emotion, sadness, grief, loss, anything like that. Mm-hmm. We think that if we experience something like anxiety, that something has gone wrong. Yeah. Um, And so in that, we think we have to fix it or we have to push it away. What we don't know in a big part of coaching is talking about concepts and educating and teaching. What we don't know is that thousands and thousands of years ago, when we were kind of just evolving as a species, Mm -hmm. we needed anxiety. It served us quite well because it kept us alive. It kept us on the lookout for the things that could kill us right? It's just that nobody clued our brain into the fact that we don't have those external dangers anymore, mm-hmm. right? But we still experience the anxiety. So anxiety, one of, the, one of the primary things that I like to remind my clients is that 
Anxiety thrives on vagueness, uncertainty. So that's when we experience it the most, when we're kind of in this um, flux of, I don't know what's happening. And so when we don't know what's happening, our brain goes to work on all of the worst case scenarios possible. Yes, (laughs) I know that. (laughs) Yes. And so um, for me, explaining to my clients that anxiety is a normal byproduct of being alive. Like we're, you're never going to completely get rid of anxiety. I have never been able to completely get rid of it. I woke up this morning with some anxiety, right? It is going to be a natural part. And the resistance of the anxiety that we experience is actually what creates that terrible doom and gloom feeling that we have right so we shouldn't run away from anxiety we should like we should know that it's a part of life but what what tips do you have or strategies in managing anxiety or dealing with it then yeah so my three kind of primary things that I always offer my clients so the first one is make friends with it which I know sounds so counterintuitive (laughs) and nobody's like, that is not a friend I want to have with me. I know. (laughs) But the idea of making friends with it is you're not resisting it, Hmm. right? You're understanding that it is a part of your life. It's a part of your experience for whatever situation you're in. And when we resist it, like I was saying, it actually makes it bigger. So um, I want you to think of like a, trying to shove a beach ball under the water, right? Doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how strong you are. The moment that you release your hands, the ball is going to come flying up even higher. (laughs) Yeah. Smacking you in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that's what happens when we resist it. Hmm. So when we make friends with it, it's almost like if we're, if we're envisioning the pool, you're actually just like holding it on top of the water. Like, yes, you're here, you're with me. I don't have to push you away and you can just sit with me. Sit with it is one of my favorite, just three word sentences Mm. because we don't just allow ourselves to sit with it. And so that's that's my first one. We gotta make friends with it. Mm -hmm. The second one is to know what creates anxiety. So just like any other feeling, this is my, this is my belief and it's based in cognitive behavioral sciences. So our feelings are created by our thoughts. So if anxiety thrives on vagueness and in the vagueness, we kind of create all these terrible scenarios that are going to happen, right? Those are our thoughts. And that is what is feeding anxiety. Hmm. So for a lot of us, a thought is, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You walk into your IVF cycle. You're like, this isn't going to work. They're not going to, my body's not going to respond to the medication. They're not going to get any follicles. If they do, the follicles aren't going to fertilize. If they fertilize, Mm -hmm. they won't make it to day five. If they make it to day five, they won't be normal. If they are normal, my transfer won't work. Yeah. Those thoughts. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. All of them. They can happen all at once or they can happen just kind of as you kind of go along through the journey, but they're going to be there. Yeah. And so what we do is we go to a place where we understand that there is you. So mm-hmm. there's Ola and then there's 
Ola's thoughts and they're two separate things. Yes. Right? And so Ola's thoughts are just sentences in her brain. Okay? The sentences in my brain are what is creating the anxiety. So when, when we have that thought, it's not going to work. That creates a lot of anxiety for us. Mm -hmm. Right? But we're going to give equal air time with but it could work. Yeah. Right? We're going to allow ourselves to keep that thought because it's not a problem that the thought is there. The problem comes when we believe the thought. Mm. That's what feeds the anxiety. That's why we get into that spiral. But if we give equal airtime to, but it could work, it might work. It's possible it'll work kind of changes the narrative it slows things down for you so that it doesn't become so consuming with that anxiety mm. so that's that's the number two we know it creates it it's a sentence in our brain and then the third step is observe it and that's the sit with it part yeah. so observing it is like going to a place where you're this is one of my favorites. If an alien came down to the earth and is like, hey, what is this anxiety people talk about? <sighs> what is it? What is that thing? Yeah. So then you would describe it to them. So for me, when I woke up this morning and I was feeling anxious, this is what I would have told the alien. It feels like it's in my chest and it feels like my heart's re really racing. And it kind of feels like this black static and it's moving really fast. Mm. And um, when I feel that my brain starts racing and I just can't, I feel like I'm out of control. That's what it means to observe it. You're, you're actually taking an objective view of the feeling that's inside of you. Most people are not willing to do this because it doesn't feel good. Like it, feels like crap because it's very um as one of my clients said it's very confrontational yeah right but what happens is your experience of it changes because you're not resisting it you've made friends with it it's okay that it's there and so you're actually able to move through it exponentially faster so observing your emotion probably takes five to 10 minutes yeah. and you can feel it pass it pass through you. How long do we spend resisting it? All the time, hours, yeah. days, mm -hmm. right? We feel, we feel terrible. We feel this lingering anxiety all the time. Yeah. So one of the big things that I want to say is that most people, when I say that most people don't want to observe it, it's because they want to change their thoughts. Exactly. So when I say it's, it's caused by a thought, they're like, okay, give me a new thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me what I need to think. So I don't feel this. Yeah. Right. But that's where we get into trouble because when we change our thought, we can, we can just try to think a new thought, but a lot of times it doesn't last for very long. No. We'll come back right back. Like, no, nope, I want to spend time with that one. <laughs> right. Right. And so when we're in a hurry to change our thoughts, it probably means that we haven't made friends with it, right? That we haven't opened ourselves up to experiencing that emotion. Yeah. 
And it also means we probably don't really understand where it comes from, that it's, that is actually us that is creating that feeling. Um, for, you know, for so many of us, particularly for women, we spend so much time in our head. We don't spend that much time thinking about what's happening in our bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and um, our bodies know what to do with emotions. They create them, right? So let's take anxiety, for example. It's created by the chemicals, uh, cortisol and adrenaline, hmm. right? Our body creates that. Our body knows what to do with it if we just give it a minute to let it, right? Just sit with it. Yeah. Our body will figure out how to process through it. So those are the big takeaways for anxiety. Those are amazing takeaways. I love them. You know, I've been thinking about them like, wow, I never saw it that way. That's, that's a good way to look at it, to sit with it, mm. to allow it, you know, and to, to balance. I think balance is important, like you noted. Just right. confronting it. Because I'm always, always trying to switch to thought. I'm like, okay, I'm going to change my thought now. And then as soon yes. as I try to change it, the last thought comes back. No, I want to spend time with this one. This is where my, right. <laughs> is where my mind is. Yeah. I, nobody, and again, we're never taught about emotions, right? We're taught about math and science and literature and art, all these things, but we're never taught about feelings. Yeah. And um, we're also never taught about how our brain functions, right? So 85% of our thinking is negative. Yes. Just biologically. Just me. <laughs> nope. It is everybody. Because, again, thousands and thousands of years ago, we had to be on the lookout for danger. And so we were always looking for the thing that could go wrong. Oh. Right? So it's just, it's just programming. 95% of our thinking is habitual. It's patterned thinking. That's why your brain always wants to switch back to the negative, yeah. <laughs> right? Because again, thousands and thousands of years ago, the people that remembered the poisonous berries from the good berries stayed alive, right? Right. And so the people that stayed alive, that pattern thinking became patterned. Yeah. And so that's why, um, you know, when you said, it's such a beautiful example when you said, no, I want to think this thought. Yeah. Well, but no, we're going to go back to this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It's because of those two numbers. 85% of it is negative and 95% of it is, is habitual. Right. So if we kind of accept that, we kind of accept that sometimes my brain is going to offer me sentences that don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And we just stop fighting with it. We start, stop arguing with it. Yeah. Changes the whole game. Wow. I'm loving everything you're saying and all this, <laughs> all the strategies you're sharing. I'm really loving it. And I'm sure people listening as well are feeling the same as I am right now. Um, and if anyone out there is listening and saying, well, do you only work with IVF, uh, like people going through IVF or do you work with other, maybe other fertility treatment or people oh, yeah. dealing with infertility in general? Yeah. So really anything on the infertility spectrum. Okay. So um, yeah, even if, if it's uh, unexplained infertility, IUIs, IVF, surrogacy, donors, um, adoption. I have, I have one client who went through all of the infertility treatments yeah. and has opted for adoption. And we just talk through that. Like 
The big thing that I always want to drive home for anyone who will listen is that we're not just talking about your IVF experience. Mm -hmm. So, or your infertility experience. We, we walk into these things already with our programming. It's just the infertility, IVF, all of the stuff that happens just shines a spotlight, a giant spotlight on how we already think and feel about ourselves. And so we're not just talking about infertility. We are taught literally talking about how you can function and feel differently for the rest of your life. Beautiful. I love it. I think we all need you. We need to, (laughs) we need your services to help us manage our emotions better and, and accept our anxiety and still, you know, get through things on a daily basis. So that's perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at IVF This Coaching. Okay. They can also check out my website, which is www.ivfthiscoaching.com. Okay. Um, I also have a podcast called, coincidentally enough, IVF This. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and on that podcast, I do break down a lot of these concepts that I talk about. Mm-hmm. So, um, when we talk about the resisting of emotions, a great yeah. episode is called feel better now. Okay. Um, where I literally talk only about how we experience emotions and the ways we typically resist them and how we can like, what is a good strategy to not, okay. um, I talk a lot about shame and trauma because yes. whether we want to admit it or not, mm-hmm. shame and trauma are very prevalent with infertility. Yes. Oh, we um, need to, and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we got to change the conversation. It can't just be about how hard this is all the time. Yeah. What are we going to do to change it? Thank you. And um, I know we've spoken a lot, you know, about anxiety and uh, infertility and how it affects us when we're dealing with it. What impact do you think it also like, you know, we also know that, of course, it plays a role also in relationships and the couple while going through infertility. So how can coaching help the couple going through IVF or infertility? Right. Um, so that's such, a, that's such a beautiful question, too. So um, part of my work is based in what's called systems theory. So it's a mm-hmm. psych- psychology-based theory where... If you change one thing in the system, yeah, everything else in the system changes too. So, so many of us reacting to our emotions, um, fight with our partners, yes. yell at our partners. Yes. <laughs> um, we have I trouble functioning at work, mm-hmm. um, focusing. We um, take a lot of self-care out of the equation because we're so focused on the logistics of IVF. Yeah. So um, when we work on mindset and we know and we get familiar with how our thoughts create our feelings and what, what that creates, right? So if, um, if your thought is, this is, one, this is an example from one of my clients, she's gone through 12 rounds of IVF. Oh, wow. Wow. And has gained weight mm-hmm. during the process because that's just yeah. one of the crappy byproducts of this process. 
Um, and so she, when we were talking, she was trying on a dress that had fit two weeks prior that she could now not zip up. Oh, yeah. And so her brain was flooded with all of the thoughts about how disgusting I am, how mm-hmm. revolting I am, how fat I am, right? Yeah. The, the, just the terrible things that we say to ourselves. Yeah. So what happens? Her partner asked her a question. Mm. And I think he asked her what was wrong and she kind of went off. And Mm. then he said something like, well, just go out and buy new clothing. Right. Something that he felt like was simple, right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. And what she made that mean was how, oh, he thinks I'm disgusting. He thinks that I can't lose weight. Right. And so it totally affected that. But when we talked about it, what, it, what came down to was she didn't allow herself space to be like, yes, this dress does not fit. And I don't like the way that that feels. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with the fact that I think she stimmed for like 19 days or something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and so like she didn't give herself space and opportunity to be upset about that before she launched into her apartment. So that is what we teach. I call it the pause, Mm -hmm. the difference between responding and reacting. So give yourself the space to pause and sit with that feeling for a minute. Yeah. And then you don't have to take it out on someone else. You don't have to react to the emotion, which is all we're doing when we're yelling or snapping or anything like that. Wow. Amazing. I love it. And just to say, actually, some of our listeners are in Nigeria and, you know, all over the world. With your coaching, are you able to help individuals and couples via like Zoom or? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So we do Zoom. Um, I actually have a client in Australia and I have two clients in the UK. Oh, okay. Perfect. So that means yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> international. <laughs> as long as we have internet, we can reach you. That's correct. That's, That's absolutely correct. Perfect. Because because we need you right now. Like I've been hearing you've been dropping so much, so much amazing, wow, strategies, advice. You know, you've just, you've said all the things that, you know, you've touched on a lot of things that I've wondered about and struggled with. So I'm sure right. many others listening as well uh, feel the I, same. I hope, I genuinely, I do believe my mission from God is, to change how we experience infertility for all women. Like there are in the United States where I, where I live, there are 70, approximately 70,000 IVF cycles per year. Oof. That's a whole one, one in eight couples experiences infertility, right? Yeah. This, is, this is not something that doesn't exist mm. just because we don't talk about it because people are uncomfortable and it's something that should, you know, we have kind of a prudish society and it's something that should be between the partners and just stay quiet. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not happening. And so if we can really reframe that there are parts of this that hurt, but not the entire experience, it doesn't have to be your entire life that hurts. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your entire it doesn't have to be your entire world that you suffer all the time. We can hurt without suffering. 
that that is my mission from God, my friend. I promise you, <laughs> we're gonna do it. Yes, and that's an amazing mission. I I, I think definitely on the right right path. We need it. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Thank you so much. And on that note, still with what you're saying right now, do you have any uh, words of affirmation that you'd like to share with anyone out there listening and just feeling like I can't do this? This is just too much. Um, so the biggest thing that I want to offer is that it is okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Permission is a big thing for me. Um, I think, uh, again, I'm going to always go back to this as women, that is not something that we are socialized to give ourselves. Yeah. And so the biggest affirmation is give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to be sad. Give yourself permission to be happy. Give yourself permission to laugh. Give yourself permission to be angry, to be sad or grieving or whatever you're feeling. It doesn't matter. Just give yourself permission to do it because it is, again, in the resistance Mm -hmm. that hurts. That's an amazing affirmation, yeah. If you're walking around thinking, I can't do this, that's okay. You're going to figure it out. Okay. So I tell my clients, it's okay, love. Nothing's gone wrong. (laughs) Thank you. And if you could go back to Emily, I don't know, 15 years ago, Mm. what would you tell her? Emily, 15 years ago. I would tell her that she does not have to try so hard. Mm. She doesn't have to try so hard to win other people's approval. She doesn't have to try so hard to feel successful. She doesn't have to try so hard to please everybody. Yes. Because you know what? It doesn't work. No, and that's a big one for us women, isn't it? You're always trying to please everybody else. Yes. Um, Another one of my favorite quotes, uh, I can't remember who said it. It's probably been said by a million people, but um, you can be the juiciest, most delicious peach in the world. And there are still going to be people who don't like peaches. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's true, right? And we never blame the peach for that. Yeah. We never say, oh, that is a terrible peach. <laughs> we just say, oh, you don't like peaches? Okay. Okay. Let's, you know, Move let's on. You yeah. want an apple? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We never make it mean anything about the peach. And so if someone doesn't like us, that's okay. They aren't your people. Yeah. You're going to find your people. You don't have to make someone like a peach to them like a peach. That won't work. No. Wow. So that's that's my last bit. <laughs> it is, and it is, it is amazing. It is a great way to look at things. Like you're so right. You don't have to make everyone like you. And it's right. Like if you don't like peach, you don't like apple, then hey, eat another fruit. And that's fine. <laughs> we got a lot of them out there in the world. Yeah. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Emily. It's been amazing having you on here on the show today. I know I have been blessed. I have learned so much. I'm sure many listeners have and want to reach out to you. So we'll definitely be doing that. 
Thank you for your mission from God, because it is an amazing mission for us women and for people around the world. We just, we need to be able to um, sit with our pain, like you said, allow it to be, and then also not spend, you know, just as we are feeling the pain, we can also feel the joy and laugh in that time and work on how we can move forward. So Thank you, thank so, you much. so much for this. Thank no, you. thank you. I adore you and I adore this podcast. So this is a dream come true to get to sit on it. Thank you. Well, thank much. you so much for reaching out. And uh, we look forward to having you again in the near future. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.